0: I am your host, Christopher Anderson. And today's episode is about operations, or in the context of the triangle that we like to discuss, production. Specifically, we're going to discuss how to find and apply some of the most important technologies to the work of delivering on the promises we make to our key stakeholders. And if you remember, those are, one, our clients, two, our employees, but last but not least by any stretch of the imagination, the owners ourselves um, in our business. And in the main, you remember, you know, we have this other triangle of what it is a law firm business must do. We talk, in some shows, we talk about acquisition, acquiring new clients. In some shows, we talk about producing the results that you promised to those new clients. And that's production. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. And of course, in some, uh, we talk about achieving the business and professional results for the owners. In a sense, we're talking about that too, um, but really we're focused on production and applying technology to our business applying legal technology specifically, but technology also writ large um, to our businesses. To have that conversation with us today, I am extremely pleased to uh, welcome Lydia Flocchini, that she is the Chief Marketing Officer for ShorePoint Technologies. ShorePoint is a provider of CRM, financial, and practice management software to law firms all across this great land of ours. And today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is The Right Tech. And once again, I am pleased to introduce my guest, Lydia Flocchini, a Chief Marketing Officer for SharePoint Technologies. Ms. Flocchini, in her bio, which I am going to now murder, as I usually do, is a business transformation leader with 30 years of experience of working in legal technology. She is passionate about helping legal professionals leverage technology to deliver greater value to their clients and innovating the way they work. Um, as chief marketing officer for ShorePoint Technologies, she works with them to provide CRM, like as mentioned, financial and practice management software to law firms, and she leads the marketing strategy product launches and community marketing programs. And In fact, she just told me that they launched something new recently, so I'm so excited to, to talk about that. She's got lots of experience working with uh, startups in, in the legal tech field, um, launching new product categories um, like legal analytics and legal research. And she's worked um, in leadership roles in customer success, marketing, sales, et cetera. So she's been in this industry deep for a while. Um, She's been the winner of the Demand Gen Reports 2021 B2B Innovator Awards and is passionate about advancement of women in law and technology. Um, She's a proud San Francisco native and has her Juris Doctorate from the University of San Francisco School of Law. Lydia, welcome to the show. <laughs> thank
1: you, Christopher. That was, that was uh, really int- great to hear, just as I reflect on my career, just the various elements that you brought up. So thank you for that very warm welcome. I'm delighted to be here, really excited to be able to just chat and talk about what's happening in legal tech and how it applies to law firms. And as you said, I really love the approach that you had to businesses and helping them think about new ways of growing and better serving their clients.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Yeah. You know, and uh, what you might not know is I'm, I'm a bit of a legal nerd myself. Um, and it seems, you, you know, I could learn a few things about product, uh, marketing from you as well. And I've always excited to have people like yourself on the show who, who bring that science to helping law firms understand, uh, what can help them, but also understanding from the law firms, what products to build. And then that's uh, kind of a exciting, um, Skill set that that you bring to this, but so knowing that and like hearing your history in that and in the legal tech field, can you just tell a little bit more about yourself that I didn't get outright? Um, you know, how how did you come to legal technology, and how did you come to your role at SharePoint?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's um. Well, it's you know when I think about it, um, for me, when I went to law school, obviously I, I wanted to go and practice law, and I soon was when I was in law school realized that it took a long time to do certain things uh, as you were like site checking or writing a paper. And I soon discovered uh, Westlaw and Lexis. And I realized that there was just a way of doing things much faster, much more efficiently, but not just that, really discovering more then was probably available to you. And so I immediately fell in love with legal technology and just learning everything that I could about how to use technology while I was at school. And then later when I graduated and started working in firms, really thinking about how do you innovate the way that legal professionals work. And from there, I uh, started my journey in working with legal tech companies. So I started working at Thomson Reuters and held uh, various roles in sales and um, account management, and then had the amazing opportunity to launch the next generation of legal research, Westlaw Next, in a marketing role. And then from there, went to work at Lex Machina and helped bring legal analytics to uh, the legal industry, which was just amazing to be part of a startup, be able to build a company. And now I'm here at SharePoint where I'm able to really bring My passion for technology to all areas of a law firm. So from anywhere from the accounting team to the IT team to shareholders to the marketing team and really think about the whole ecosystem of the law firm and how you use technology to really think about growth, better servicing your clients, delivering more value, differentiating your firm and and how how people work. Um, So I run the marketing team here and in my role get to work with all of our Customers, uh, which we call the SharePoint community, a thousand law firms strong, and be able to really learn from them and help them uh, be able to think about the way that they the the practice, both the the business and practice of law and their 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 future growth.
0: Fantastic. So, and it sounds like in SharePoint, um, like you're actually touching all three apices of my triangle. you you're doing stuff that helps the law firms with their client acquisition. You're doing stuff that helps them with practice management, with managing the cases, moving the cases through. And you're also helping them with metrics, like so the owners can understand profitability and business scorecards and stuff like that. Do you do all three?
1: Absolutely. And that's what I think makes it so exciting is because you're able to really touch every, every area of the law firm when it thinks of, you know, how do we bring new business in? How do we continue to deliver more value for our clients? And how do we innovate the law firm and think of growth? So it's, it's absolutely every single area of the law firm from financial management to practice management, and also analytics and business intelligence.
0: Do you consider yourselves a
1: platform um, for these things or are these uh, like discrete softwares? Well, we provide, um, we, uh, so we have two platforms or three, I should say, Uh, the SharePoint Legal Management System, which is an ERP for law firms. We also have Coyote Analytics, which we just so excited, just uh, launched into the cloud on uh, this past Friday was our big announcement. So we acquired Coyote Analytics this year. And
0: how do you spell that? Is that C-O-D-Y?
1: Coyote, Coyote. Oh,
0: Coyote. Like, yes,
1: yeah. Coyote. It's like, oh! Yes. <laughs> okay. And so we acquired Cody Analytics this year, which has been an on-prem tool. And we soon wanted to be able to launch a cloud platform, cloud-hosted version. And we just did that this past Friday. And so it's been a very exciting day as we've had law firms reaching out, wanting to learn more about yeah. uh, being able to work in the cloud.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's so funny. I just will tell our listeners we were worried that maybe Lydia's dog might uh, participate in the show. But here we go. The first animal noise was me howling. So there we have it. That's fantastic. So let's I want to turn our attention now to what's really going on in the legal field with law firms, because, I mean, as you've experienced, as I've experienced, as everybody listening has experienced, like legal technology doesn't grow in leaps and bounds, usually it's a plotting process. There are some early adopters among law firms, but generally speaking, the law firm community is a late adopter to perhaps lagging adopter. But all of a sudden we had this pandemic and the way we all work just changed for some of us literally overnight. It was just like we were working one way and then we learned we weren't working that way tomorrow. And, or we told our teams we're not working that way tomorrow. So what are you seeing? Like, how has this shift to working from home and this remote work um, and remote, you know, dealing with our clients remotely, how has that transformed the way that legal professionals are interfacing or, or consuming technology?
1: Yes. Well, I would say, you know, it's interesting because in speaking with um, members of the SharePoint community, there are so many who will say, you know, Lydia, we had a 18-month plan to move to the cloud or to acquire these technologies. And all of a sudden that happened in, you know, 18 hours or someone will say, you know, 11, 11 years became 11 hours. So it's very interesting when you think of how rapidly technology had to be adopted to enable law firms and legal professionals to work remotely and and to continue being able to um, do their work and be able to support their clients. And so things that... We see, or that I've seen, um, and actually recently spoke about this at a conference. Um, which some key trends, for example, is just the need to be able to go from manual tasks to automation. So, being able to map out processes that are taking place within your firm, everything from accounts payable, accounts receivable, you know how you receive payments, um, how you think about collecting and gathering data, marketing data about your clients, um, the very KPIs. So anything that can be automated is a major trend that we are seeing. Obviously, the move from on-premises solutions to the cloud because of the need to be able to work across distributed teams, have access to your client or your data at any time and anywhere. Certainly, while, you know, there are people that still use paper, but certainly the move to digital workflows. And a lot of this is because of the need to ship from what we, you know, might think of as low-value work to high-value work. You know, is it something mm-hmm. that, you know, if you can shift to high-value work for your client, the being able to work on drafting pleadings, being able to, you know, consult, being able to meet with them and strategize about how you're going to approach a matter, that is going to be much more, um, probably less likelihood, of, I should say, of being written off or being, you know, where it's, it's work that is not going to be built. And so just being able to digitize that process is definitely one of the bigger trends. The rapid tech adoption of technology, though, is something I think that is quite extraordinary that we've seen. Most recently, I read an article about the use of technologies just to help with burnout. Um, being able to right. support, you know, well uh is another area where maybe unexpected, but certainly a result. Now we all might be zoomed out for sure, yeah. but I would say that yeah. we do see technology being used to just help uh, make life easier and and remove the administrative burden that legal professionals face in their everyday. Uh, but also just to f- help them find joy in their work and why they you know wanted to practice law and be be part of the legal profession.
0: Yeah, it strikes me that like one of the things in in that recitation, one of the things that is underlying that is that there was already a trend that um, move, the move, for instance, this move to higher value work. I mean, this was being forced by some companies delivering the low value stuff at a better price point or 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 some customers in bringing that on board because of the automation for it was so easy that uh, you know there was a lot of pressure on law firms to move their value added processes up the value chain if you will and then that slow glacial process was like so it's not like it happened because of the pandemic but i think it, it there was a lot of acceleration during that time would, would you agree with that thought
1: Oh, absolutely. And and when you think of, you know, alternative pricing models and trying to come up with creative pricing, all of that was, you know, accelerated because of the pandemic. If not now, we see greater demand for financial transparency, being able, you know, for firms to think of, you know, how do you come up with more creative pricing flexibility? And this is where, you know, having business intelligence data, being able to see the underlying data so that you can understand You know, what are um, trends or patterns in pricing? So when you think of, you know, an AFA, you can look at prior matters, understand how many resources were used, understand what the rates were so that you can actually think about, you know, what would be pricing that we should um, or how should we price this accordingly? So this is an area where I think where legal technology has really played into understanding how do you innovate the business and practice of law in that regard, um, as well as how you offer your services and deliver them. I mean, more and more, we're seeing now law firms even creating their own products and technology uh, to be able to deliver more value for their clients. And so I think that certainly we here... um, because of the data that our customers use, their financial practice management data, marketing data, they're able to take that information and really think about how are we going to innovate our firm? How are we going to differentiate the way that we uh, position ourselves and that competit- and, and really give ourselves a competitive advantage?
0: Yeah, and it seems to speak to the opportunity, I think I'll say it as the most kind way to say it, in the legal tech space for improvement that – larger like like that some firms are inventing their own and even like i'm aware of one personal injury firm that is actually marketing their own case management software that they built in-house and now they're marketing it but it's like you know firms don't do that if there's not a gap right so so it's it's important i think that the acceleration is also happening on the vendor side on the provider side and i mean i gotta say like there's been more entrance in the past five years than i've seen in a long long time into the space
1: yeah, an interesting stat that I um, read was last year alone there were 161 deals of legal tech, you know, acquisitions and mergers. We were, you know, to two, two uh, this year alone we've acquired two companies. You did two of them, yeah, yeah ContactEase and Coyote Analytics. Which is for us, I mean, we really think about, you know, how do we keep transforming legal technology to better help law firms um, succeed and innovate. And um, it's been really great to be part of that.
0: Yeah. We are talking um, with Lydia Flochini. I've, I've had to practice that, but I think I'm getting it mostly right, her last name. Uh, and so far, we've been talking about legal technology sort of writ large, sort of the landscape of what's been happening and, and how Lydia's interfaced with that and what, what changes she's seeing among law firms uh, to adopt this technology and the pressures to do so. Uh, we're going to take a break here because we've got a couple sponsors who would like to have their messages said. But when we come back, um, we'll be talking with Lydia a little bit more uh, focused on different areas. So we're going to talk about practice management. We're going to talk about um, marketing and CRM particularly. Um, but first, we're going to hear a word from the folks who make this show possible. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at Staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I.cc, and get $500 off with code Happy24. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm with six different ways to track time. Surely one will fit even on the go, or quickly estimate flat-fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com. We're back with Lydia Flocchini on the Unbillable Hour. We've been talking about uh, legal technology. And uh, we're going to shift our focus now to uh, a couple of specific technologies that, that I think are really interesting. They touch, like I mentioned before, they touch the points of the triangle. The first one, though, we're going to talk about production, since I said this show is about production, and talk about practice management technology. And But before we do that, let's. I think it's important because I think that those words are thrown around to mean a lot of different things, and particularly in what country you're in, they can mean a lot of different things. Uh, I, I learned uh, the hard way over in England that uh, practice management re- really meant the financial end of things. Um, but so when we talk about practice management technology here, what are we talking about, Lydia?
1: Yeah, for in terms of practice management, we're looking at the front office. You know, what the, the workflows, technology that um, attorneys, legal professionals, the timekeepers, if you will, are using. So being able to enter their time being able to work on their matters, being able to understand, you know, track the performance of their matters, as well as, you know, conflicts, for example, when a matter comes in and being able to track that. We also will uh, refer to our mobility applications, for example, and being able to track your time and those matters uh, virtually or in a virtual environment. So that's just a quick overview, as well as business intelligence tools. So we have, a, for example, profitability dashboards, business intelligence dashboards that enable to, you to track KPIs as you're working on a matter, as you're working uh, by client, and being able to look at your own data as you are um, working.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, that's key because you know, the truth is that you know, practice management software has been around for a while you know it's been like that you used the words earlier on prem but you know they've been server based um that people would have servers in their office and they'd have users and then uh, you know the client server model then then things started to go to the cloud and a lot of vendors started offering their solutions in the cloud but i think for a long time these became places to store information uh like people would keep time people would keep client information people would keep documents people would keep tasks and task completion but the tools to an enormous amount of data would get stored. But the tools to get anything, you know, other than knowing your client's data was stored and easily retrievable, which let let us be honest, that was huge. I mean, that's a huge um, advantage to file cabinets. But the ability to then take this enormous treasure trove of data and make it actionable for improving how you deliver your services to your clients, the profitability of the firm. Um, and how your employees experience their work that really's been kind of weak until recently what what do you when you say be able to use this for business intelligence what are you seeing as as the opportunity here and how how is it being delivered
1: well, when you are looking, for example, at we have a profitability dashboard and you're able to look at different data points, um, you know, how profitable is a matter? How profitable is a client? And when I talk about profitability, it's really about the growth of the firm, right? Is this, how are you managing um, collections on that particular matter, client? There's different dimensions that you can take a look at. And so what happens is, you know, as an attorney, I can take a look at these dashboards to really understand, you know, are expenses too high? You know, where are we trending with collections? You know, what are our write-offs look like? Is there an opportunity to reduce that or to improve that? You know, for example, you may have associates working on a matter who, you know, they may want to reach out to a client regarding collections, not only because they're trying to collect that, but to have a conversation, to build a relationship. It really goes beyond just the data, but is how are you delivering more value by building that relationship through the data that you see? And so, you know, when you're thinking about these numbers in front of you, it's really trying to think about how do these become more than just that? Client satisfaction, you know, being able to understand, like, what did it cost for us to acquire this new client? How does this shape our marketing um, efforts? And be able, I would say, especially now in this virtual world, to think about being able to look at the last time maybe that you had a touch point and how do you use that as a way to guide your outreach. So there's multiple dimensions to how the data informs the way that you are going to approach the relationship with your client, the matter that you're working on. But, you know, when I go back to sort of the the beginning, when you were talking about the three areas, it's also how does this help me grow my firm? How does this Mm -hmm. help me become a better practitioner because I am nurturing those clients that you want to be a lifelong client, right? And so I think that there's many ways to think about how the data helps you think about your own performance and growth.
0: Let me put you on the spot. What would be, like, because I think a lot of, you know, you talk to a lot of lawyers, they understand the concept of KPIs and they understand how powerful they can be. But they also understand the pain of the real pain of tracking them. But so what what are some KPIs that law firms really should be tracking and how can their case management software make that or the practice management software make that easier?
1: The, well, I mean, the KPIs can be located in multiple places, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I mean, I would hate to think that, you know, we're still using spreadsheets in some areas because, you know, the data is going to become old. Um, so really how to use technology to bring those data points to bear in one place where you can have accurate current real-time data so that you can really see what's happening I mean one thing that we did learn from the pandemic was that ca- the need to understand cash flow to be able to predict cash flow how soon would that cash flow come in and so that's the t- that's where I think technology can be very powerful in measuring your kPIs but for example you know if you're able to have data such as you know collected hours collected fees direct costs, gross profits, indirect costs, and net profits, revenue per hour, cost per hour, all in one place, you're able to see those trends and patterns.
0: And I'll note for the the listeners, because this is a radio show, Lydia had no notes. Those were just right off the top (laughs) of her head.
1: I write a lot about this, but being able to also see that in different ways. So by the originating attorney, the billing attorney, the responsible attorney, uh, the client, the matter area of law, that's where then you can start to, you know, basically peel the onion and start to look at, you know, how do you think about the way you're you're approaching um, these various um, elements? It's very interesting, especially when you think of areas of law, because you can start to see, you know, is there an area of law at the firm or practice area that maybe isn't growing where you expected? And maybe it's time yeah. to think about something, you know, another area, maybe that's an area that, you know, maybe is not an area of growth. And so it, it just- or, or
0: or sometimes surprising information that like this one's like way more profitable, that like this one's growing, but this other one's profitable.
1: Exactly. But the, but the only way to know is underlying data. Otherwise, you're relying on, you know, hunches and what I call anecdata to think about, you know, your strategy.
0: Absolutely. So let me just turn our attention a little bit from practice management now to CRM. And, and let's start it with, because- I'll tell you what, a lot of people use those three initials and they don't even know what the actual words are under them, never mind what it does. So let's, let's first of all define CRM. And then I want you to talk a little bit about how good CRM can contribute to the uh, data that we have and, and improve the performance of a firm.
1: Great. So, yes. Yeah, so uh, CRM is client relationship management. Um, it's the data that you use to really think about how you are going to retain your client's. Grow your clients, and so technology enables you to do that. So, how do you manage, you know, your contact lists and being able to have those contact lists in one place? Being able to track, mm-hmm. you know, how often you are interacting with that the, your clients. Being able to track data so that you can see, you know, create automations or touch points so that you can make sure to stay top of mind. Uh, being able to think of, you know, ways to deliver automation such as your marketing. So if you're developing, you know, newsletters, your email campaigns that the firm is creating, you can use your CRM to do that. And in addition to that, be able to connect that with your financial management data so that you can uh, ensure to, to know, you know, what are the financials look like around that client so that you can, again, it's really about, You know, taking a strategic approach and enabling you to be informed as to, you know, new clients to acquire, retention of clients, and be able to see what referrals you're getting, being able to track all that in your CRM.
0: Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about, uh, because I know you're excited about the the acquisition of contactees, we just give about the 60 second version of what that was about and what uh, additional capabilities that brings to your company?
1: Sure, we acquired Contact Ease earlier this year. Um, Contact Ease is a company that has very similar culture as SharePoint. Uh, Contact Ease just widely used across law firms, and um, you know, Contact Ease. What's so interesting is the way that it integrates with outlook right in your workflow to be able to ha- to be able to manage your book of business while you're working engage with it without having actually having to go somewhere else but as you are in the process and so very high adoption rate very easy to use and certainly integrated with our with our financial and practice management software, both LMS, as well as Coyote Analytics, it really just enables a greater depth of insight when you're thinking about the matters and the clients that you're working um, with.
0: Excellent. So, congratulations on that acquisition. We're talking to Lydia Flocchini. We've been talking now about case management. We talked about CRM, customer relationship management software, and uh, our client relationship software, depending on what business you're in. Um, but what I think it's also a misnomer, though, still, because it really deals with potential clients too, um, in a very, and that's really important for that. And we're going to take another break here. And but when we come back, we're going to turn our attention to timekeeping. Because that is the technology bane of many a lawyer's existence. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about metrics um, and tracking metrics for, uh, you know, in a, in a business intelligence kind of way. But first, we'll hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll be back with Lydia Flocchini, the Chief Marketing Officer of ShorePoint Technologies. Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com unbillable. Law Clerks' nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with the project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign-up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. And we're back with Lydia Flochini talking about legal technology. And I uh, said that when we came back, we're going to talk about timekeeping. I got to, because I, I got to ask. I think it's where all the technology had so many promises, and yet it is still one of the most difficult compliance, uh, getting compliance from users. Um, and one of the, you know, you're talking about all this wonderful business intelligence. But a lot of it really comes from, you know, down to what are the inputs, like how much time is going into the work that's being produced, because that's what we do. So what can you talk about about trends that you're seeing in terms of time management, timekeeping and time management? And I know you, you just talked about this at the ALA, right?
1: Yes, actually, I was at the West Mich- West Michigan chapter of the ALA. I um, okay. did a presentation on timekeeping, time management, and just some strategies for helping drive a culture of uh, contemporaneous timekeeping. So the first is, you know, there's so much data about um, how much time is written off if you don't enter your time contemporaneously. So I believe that... If you don't enter your time till the end of the day, you lose ten percent of that time. Will most likely be captured. If you um, wait till the end of the week, I believe it's twenty five percent, and certainly if you wait till the end of the month, it's fifty percent. But oftentimes people do that; they, you know, will wait to enter their time. So, when you think of best practices or just the the trends we're seeing, mobile timekeeping is enabling timekeepers to capture more time than ever before there's actually a firm we worked with that shared that they once they were capturing uh, their time mobile which you know when people are working remotely they went their productivity increased from 50 i think to 95% and so it's just extraordinary and a lot of it is because you have that you know in the palm of your hand an ability to capture time and be able to to do it as you're working most recently, we also launched or we have been seeing automatic timekeeping, which is time that is being captured as you're working um, is through Microsoft applications where, you know, as you um, are working, if you're in PowerPoint or Excel, the time is being captured and then later all you have to do is go back and review the time and then tag it. But, you know, the technology that's being developed to make it as easy as possible for attorneys and timekeepers to enter it while they work is really the trend. But that being said, you still have to get people to do it and to understand yeah. why why it's important. And So some of the strategies that I shared uh, when I recently met with the West, Western Michigan ALA was number one, creating a culture around timekeeping. So really understanding the why and the impact. So for example, the stats that I shared with you, being able to explain you know, how that flows into the revenue of the firm is so important. And I know that there are many um, customers we work with who obviously are doing that education with the timekeepers at their law firms. But the more that there is visibility and data around it to so that someone says, you know what, I need to do this as I'm working, or if if the ability is for me to do it as I'm working, it, it becomes, you know, a, a habit.
0: Yeah, I think it's the habit that's the key here, right? But it but I think there's two problems with the habit. One is people perceive it as being painful, and the other is that, for better or worse, they see that time as wasted. Right. So, like, I can't, I can't build for the time that I'm entering the bill, and, and I mean, but I hear it a lot, right? And I think, but that comes more when you do it at the end of the day. But like, how how do you build that habit?
1: You have to do it in the moment. It's contemporary. Yeah. So whether it's the technology that is enabling it as you're working or, be, or having it become a habit through a mobile app that you are using, it becomes easier, but also because you start to see the impact of it when it comes to your revenue. And that is really the piece that you need to think about, you know, when you start to do that analysis of, you know, if it, you can start to measure or compare, I would say, timekeepers within a firm as a cohort. So you could have the group that, you know, is entering time when they should contemporaneously versus those that don't. There's going to be a marked difference between write-offs, between invoicing getting done, between it being part of your month end. But it, it there has to be, I would say, a champion or someone that is really being able to bring this top of mind. And so oftentimes there has to be an individual at the firm. And oftentimes we see it's the accounting team or the finance team that is reminding the attorneys, or for example, sending reminders through what we call a watch list. Just being able to be aware that the time has to get in creates those habits. But I would say that, you know, most importantly, you have to think about your client because clients want to know, you know, how much are they being billed? being able to explain the work that that's being done for them. And there's actually a firm that comes to mind for me that I remember the controller said to me, Lydia, you know, we, in our narratives, like to explain what we've been doing, the impact, because it's be- about building value. The time, mm-hmm. if, if you really elevate timekeeping to building value, showing your impact, that is where you get, you know, to this, one of the elements that you brought up, your clients. That is really your way to show, here's what we've been doing to represent you, client. And, you know, if you do that within a time that they expect, right? Clients are demanding more financial transparency. This is a way to do it. And so, but the the mindset has to change. And so it does take steps, but certainly, you know, um, you have to build a culture around it. Share the data, have someone show the data coach someone through the data and then being able to show the impact that you're having and driving firms, growth, revenue, but also client retention is uh, an important way to, to create that framework.
0: Yeah. And it seems to tick all those boxes. I think that's really great. So talking about delivering value, we're coming up to the end of the show. The one thing that I know my listeners would love to hear about, and that would give them great value is to take what we've been talking about now and to me, what are these incredibly fascinating trends that have been happening up till now? And then and let's cast it forward a little bit. Based on your experience, your knowledge, and what you see in the trends right now, what do you see happening in the near to medium-term future?
1: I, one of the areas that I have just been really inspired and excited about is the way that law firms are taking very actual steps to create data-driven cultures, And the reason that I get excited about that is because I've, you know, worked in the Silicon Valley. I've seen the impact of, you know, what data does to create insight, growth and innovation. And just to see um, how law firms are taking this approach and really thinking about using their financial, their CRM and practice management data to say, we are creating a culture around this we're showing dashboards we're show you know explaining to attorneys you know how to take the data and think about the way they shape their practice i think is really exciting and there's going to be a lot more that we're going to see when it comes to automation ai prediction last year we we worked on this study with Ari Kaplan on implementing financial intelligence for competitive advantage and you know one of the questions that we asked which i, I really was very interesting, but actually confirmed a suspicion of mine was whether the skill set of a CFO and law firm leaders had changed over the last year. And overwhelmingly, yeah, yeah. the respondents said yes. And if you look at the results of the research, things that they said was, you know, really being the data storyteller, the change agent of the firm, you know, really being the person who's driving culture around the firm around data. And I just thought that that was so interesting to hear. And, um, and I just... I'm excited about, you know, what we're going to continue to see in terms of trends and how law firms think about data and analytics.
0: I am too. And that brings us to the close. Um, it wraps up, in fact, this edition of the Unbillable Hour. And I want to thank our listeners for listening, though I think they're going to thank you for sharing because that was fascinating. Um, our guest today, in case you've forgotten, has been Lydia Flucchini. She's the Chief Marketing Officer for Shorepoint Technologies. Lydia, if people do want to follow up or learn more about Share, uh, SharePoint or you, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Sure, um, I'm on LinkedIn, Lydia Flochini, F L O C C H I N I. So feel free to reach out. And if you're interested in learning more about SharePoint and Coyote Analytics, you can go to SharePoint.com as well as CoyoteAnalytics.com. And I'm happy to put you in touch with one of our experts.
0: Fantastic, Lydia. Thank you so much. And of course, this is Christopher T. Anderson, and I look forward to seeing and talking with all of you next month with another great guest as we learn more about the topics that help us build a law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thank you for joining us, and we will speak again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with
1: Legal Talk Network.